The Litro Lab Podcast. Billy by Robert McGowan. Gazing one balmy late May afternoon through a classroom window overlooking the university's verdant springtime grounds, Professor Emeritus Richard Cowden, in a moment of absorbed introspection, mused softly to his 20th century American class, or to himself. We are each of us parent to the future. We owe as much to it as a mother owes her child. How those who come after us will live on this earth depends on what we do and on what we say in our time here. Our duty in this life is to them. Over all the years since Vietnam, he'd made and kept sheaves of random notes about his experience there, thoughts he would one day on retirement put in order and mould into... But when his retirement came, later than he'd once hoped, Richard Cowden no longer had sufficient energy or drive to draw together and construct anything at all of the recollections and ideas he'd so devotedly recorded and preserved. His observations, analyses, elucidations, his heartfelt recollections, his passionate convictions. Moreover, he was distressed to realise how inaccessible to him everything was becoming. His memories were escaping him, no matter the scribbling he'd done to tether them. Which loss was, however, hardly the consequence of any degree of mental debilitation. Professor Cowden was barely seventy and at least as sharp-witted as ever. His natural perspicacity heightened by experience and maturity. But the elapse of time, nearly fifty years of it since he'd been in Vietnam, had caused his memories to feel increasingly, eerily foreign to him. He did certainly still recall those days fundamentally, and his notes, when he returned to them, did serve somewhat to bring details forward. But he no longer felt himself in as intimate a relationship with his Vietnam experience as he'd been accustomed to feeling over most of the past half-century, his having, for nearly all of those years, assumed they'd be forever at hand, as fresh and vivid as when new. Because his mental images of Vietnam and even the narrative of his tour there, for so long resident in mind and notes, had now lost so much of their clarity and force, he was at last constrained to realise that his contact with them was no longer as sound as would be necessary in order to convey the experience and his response to it in a way that might have its own life as a written work. So, glad at least of the additional closet and shelf space he'd gain, he one weekend removed from his small home study his boxes of notes and his several false starts, the fragments of a manuscript he'd once imagined completing. He wrapped everything inside four or five sturdy plastic bags, of the type he used every fall for leaf disposal, tied and taped them tight so to protect against water damage and to deter insects that might otherwise attack the paper within, and took them into his attic and lined them up altogether as in formation, in a bare spot away from all else, so they'd not likely be harmed by future rummages, and so that one of those rummages might have reason to suppose something of value to be contained inside them. Possibly, if he himself could bring nothing out of his memories, someone else, 
at some other time might, his thought having been to allow that possibility as great a chance of realisation as he could arrange, at least within the scope of putting his material aside in this casual, everyday way, though ready at last to relinquish his long-held hope that he would in time form something affecting and influential out of his mishmash of old memories, Richard Cowden was not prepared, not yet, to accept the prospect of their evaporating finally into nothing. And then, because he would not after all be working on his book, and because he'd found nothing else to occupy him in his retirement, and because he was concerned still to do what he could that might in some positive way matter into the future, he'd gone back to teaching, part-time, one class a semester, two sessions a week, his old 20th century American history course. A short distance beyond his view of the university grounds, as he stood looking into that distance through his classroom window, was a cemetery where a boyhood friend was buried. Billy Jackson, who, when Richard was drafted into the army, had joined up to go with him. They'd been together through training, and even for a while in Nam. Richard made it back. Billy did not. Professor Cowden turned away from the window and from Billy and addressed his young students, bringing forward for them something he'd remembered from his notes, his core underlying thought, the essential distillation of all he'd finally gathered up and put away. Our past need not be our future. We dig up a body from some ancient war, a battle centuries, millennia ago, some archaeological site, Greece, China, Mexico, wherever you choose in any one of untold, forgotten thousands of such tragic places. We dig up those bones, and they're nothing to us. A skeleton, an artifact, an abstraction. But this was a person like you, like each one of you seated here today in this our own time. In the foolish passion of an era, of a moment, as in war, you give your life, or, more accurately, have it taken from you, probably in response to some fraudulent propagandist ballyhoo for some bogus cause that was perhaps even then, or at least very soon afterward, understood to be what it will remain for all time to follow, of practically no matter whatever to anyone at all. An irrelevance. And yet, these bones that are at long last excavated and labelled like pot shards and stored in plastic bags in the drawers of university departments are what remains of a real life one that to whom it belonged and from whom it was taken was, God damn it, not irrelevant. Which is all Richard Cowden had ever really wanted to say anyway. Subscribe to Literal Lab Podcast on Spotify.